Today we celebrate the holy, wonder-working, unmercenaries, Cosmos and Damien. These two brothers we have right at the center of the back of our church. You can see their icons. Every time you walk out of the church, you walk right by them. We'll ask for their intercessions. They, like St. Pantaleon next to them, are unmercenary healers. We know what mercenaries are, those who for pay go and do mostly horrendous things. But mercenary more broadly means a person who paid for something. And so they're unmercenaries because they're unpaid. Doctors without pay. Imagine a world like that. And so these two brothers were trained in medicine and became skilled doctors. But ultimately it wasn't the skill of the, the medicine that made them such wonder-working healers. It was the power of Christ in them. And of course, the power of Christ worked in their skill as well, but they healed in the name of Christ. They healed with the lance, which is used in the liturgy. So St. Cosmas and Damien are those that we celebrate today. And in the hymn that was sung last night in the Vespers, we get a sense for the overabundance of God, how God works above and beyond what is necessary or needed in our lives. And in this case, through these beloved saints. Referring to the saints, it says, You always have Christ acting in you, O holy and mercenaries. And thus, you work miracles throughout the world, and you heal the sick. Your medical ministry is like an inexhaustible well. We draw from it, and still it overflows. It dispenses, and there is more than enough. Every day it is depleted and replenished. It provides for us and is never lacking. They who draw from it are fully satisfied with cures and healings, and it remains unspent. This is an image of God's grace. God's grace pouring out over the whole world so that what we receive from Him is never spent. There's always more. So the healings of St. Cosmos and Damien, which are numerous, go and read about them, read about their miracles, even in the Bulletin this week. And here are the many miracles that they have uh, that they have performed even after their death. God's overabundance is something for us to ponder a little bit. Because the hymn for St. Cosmos and Damien, which refers to the gospel that our, our Lord says, not the gospel today, but it says, freely you have received, freely give. So as you hear about that in the hymn, about how there are this inexhaustible well of feelings, we see that it is only that they are giving out what God has given to them. And so we see this equation, if you will. God comes into them, and then God's grace goes out from them. This is the way God works. He doesn't appear in, in form. He doesn't reveal himself to us. Rather, he works through the people around us, and most notably through the saints. Freely you have received, freely give. And we sometimes think of that phrase, freely you have received, freely give. We think about it in terms of virtues. That God has given us all these virtues, or given the saints these virtues, that then they can go out and do good works in the world. And I'd like you to ponder it for a little bit in a different way. Think of what God has given us, not in terms of virtues, but just in terms of his love. He 
He's given us forgiveness. Think about how much God perpetually forgives us again and again and again. And we can get forgiveness. He gives us mercy. We pray all through the liturgy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Again and again. God gives us his mercy. And we likewise can give mercy to those around us. God gives us his compassion. He sees our weakness. He sees and understands why we fall into sin. He's not like us who are the cruel judges. Uh, Metropolitan Athanasius, a little soul, once said, or no, it was a uh, Metropolitan Europeus of Lapos. He said, I'm thankful that I'm judged by God and not by man, because men are harsh and cruel in their judgment. God is forgiving and merciful. So God has given us his compassion. God has given us his forbearance, his long-suffering. Makrofimia is a beautiful word in Greek. It means long-suffering. He's waiting through all the pain of seeing what we keep doing and sinning and sinning. This is what we can give to those around us who sin against us. And most importantly, God gives us his love. And this is no better stated than what St. Paul says in the epistle. You're listening. The epistle today is that great uh, anthology of love, what love is and how important love is. And God gives us his love for us to give out to others. In St. Paul's epistle to the Corinthians, he says, love suffers long and is kind. In some translations it said love is patient. But it's really, it's that word, mephrothemia. Mephrothemia comes from two words. Makros, which means long, and thimos, which means temper. They so put that together. It doesn't mean long temper. It means long to temper. A long time until God's anger. A long time until, until temper. This is what long suffering is. We suffer long not because people are doing good things around us or nice things to us, but because they are being cruel, because they are sinning against us, they are offending us. And we suffer long. Why? Because this is what God does. This is the first definition of love according to St. Paul. And it is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. This is something that we need to see in the world around us more of. Love is not puffed up. It's not ego. It does not behave rudely. does not seek its own. It is not provoked. We live in a day and age of provocation. Everyone is provoking everyone else. Everyone's provoking me. Everyone's offending me by what they say or do or think. This is a time of great provocation, which means, according to St. Paul, love is diminished. Love thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, endures all believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Again, that word endures actually comes from the word patience. So it would be more like to say, love is patient in all things. And patience, if you recall, is that word that means to remain under, to live under something. It's like a weight upon your back. When you have patience, it means you're not giving up, you're bearing, you're enduring it. It's quite a big, long list of what love is. And this is, as we go back to the hymn of the, the unmercenaries, freely you have received, freely give. This is 
hear about some Lazarus and the rich man, the gospel that we know so very well, that we hear every year. When we think about the rich and the poor, those who are in want and those who are not in want, I would like to re-envision that a little bit. What about those who are in need of the things that God has given us? I'm not talking about possessions. I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about love, compassion, forgiveness, mercy, peace. The things that God has given us. We have the people all around us. Here in our, our city, our county, our state, our nation, our whole world. There are people who need, who are like Lazarus outside the door, in need of what we have received in Christ through His Holy Church. Yes, there are people that need food and shelter and clothing, and I'm not trying to diminish that, but we know that message. We hear this gospel, and we automatically think of that. What about those who are in need of our mercy? Those who are in need of our forgiveness? Those who are in need of our compassion and our love and our peace? In the liturgy, we say more than 30 times about peace. Again and again, in peace, let us pray to the Lord. The first words of the liturgy. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. And we say so many times, peace, peace, peace. This is what our nation needs most right now, is peace. We're on the verge of the big votes. The 59th presidential election our nation has ever had. And it is a very contentious one. As I said, and we'll continue to say, we as Christians must be at peace with all outcomes. It doesn't mean that we wholeheartedly support the person who's elected. It doesn't mean that we like the things that they try to oppose. It doesn't mean that we have to love their policies. It means we must be at peace. Because if we can't see God's providence in it, then we're not Christians. If we are enraged because of what comes on Tuesday, it is our abandonment to Christ. There is no righteous indignation. There is no anger or fear that is also Christ-like. In Christ is peace. We've had this time leading up to this election to prepare to be at peace. And if we haven't used that time, we still have 48 hours. <laughs> A lot of work, a lot of prayer. Because we have people in the world who are in need, and they are in need of God's peace. If we come out of this election going, yes, this is my person, either way, we're not being Christ. We must be at peace. In the divine liturgy, at three times in the liturgy, many times in all of our service, I as the priest say, Peace be with all. Do you know what this is? This is Christ. It's not me as the priest. This is ICXC. Jesus Christos. Christ's peace is coming upon you. Freely you have received, freely give. Christ, through the priest, is giving you peace. And then at the end of the liturgy, if we weren't clear on that, we say, let us go forth in peace. We receive peace from Christ in every liturgy, in every service. 
communion with Christ, we receive his peace. And as we receive his peace, we must maintain the peace within us and communicate peace to those around us. If we don't do this, then freely have we received, we're not freely giving. We receive, but we don't give. We become the dead end. And this is not at all what our Lord desires. We must be those who seek and communicate peace. As for our elected officials, our liturgy is very clear, especially the liturgy of St. Basil. I'll read it for you, because we only hear the liturgy of St. Basil ten times throughout the year. It won't be until the eve of Christmas that we'll hear it next. In the liturgy after the Anathorah, we say, Remember, Lord, this country and all those in public service whom you have allowed to govern on earth. Grant them profound and lasting peace. Speak to their hearts good things concerning your church and all your people, that through the faithful conduct of their duties, we may live peaceful and serene lives in all piety and holiness. Sustain the good in their goodness, make the wicked good through your goodness. This is what we pray for. Profound and lasting peace. To whom? Not just to us. Not just to the people around us. To all in public service. How many of us want Donald, President Donald Trump to have peace? How many of us want Joe Biden to have peace? Both of those must be the case. Because Joe Biden is already an elected official. How about our governor? How about our county commissioners? Our mayor? Everyone. It says here, you have allowed to govern on earth. God has allowed them. Let us be the vehicle for the change that may occur through them. Because miracles can be worked through our prayer. We must be at peace, my brothers and sisters. If we cannot be at peace, then we are leaving, departing from our faith. So we must firmly, firmly, in what lies ahead in the days and weeks and months that lie ahead, Whatever may come in the world around us, be at peace. And as always,